Here we go. And this is Bible Study Law and Gospel on this Wednesday, May the 20th in the year of our Lord, 2020. And what we are doing is going through the various principles that CFW Walther puts down in his, well, it was lectures on law and gospel. And when did he do these lectures? Well, he did them many years ago in 1884 and 1885. He did 39 Friday night lectures. There were 25 theses and 21 errors that pastors make and others in dividing law and gospel properly. We now are moving into, and we're doing it on the basis of the lectures. We've done the first five lectures, and we're still not out of thesis number two. If you wish to be an Orthodox teacher, you must present all the articles of faith in accordance with Scripture. Yet, you must also rightly distinguish law and gospel. As we've indicated in the previous broadcasts, CFW Walther begins each evening lecture with a theme, and then from the theme moves into the next thesis, and we're going to be looking at thesis three in a moment. But first of all, he has a little introduction. He talks about college students this way. When a college student gets to college, they know everything. In their second year of study, they become aware of some things that they did not know. And at the end of their last year of study, they are convinced that they know nothing at all. This is a interesting item that he's talking about because he says it's a sure sign that such person's knowledge must be very superficial if he presumes to know a lot about his field. And now he's got a Bible quotation. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 2. Here's what Paul writes. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. And those of you who've gone through college, maybe you study business, maybe you're in the area of policing, maybe in factory development, boy, the more that you think you know, the more you realize how little you do know. Because what he's making is this distinction. Everything depends not on how much we know, but on how well we know it. In, in fact, I really agree with that when it comes to the Bible. All you need to do is take a look at some of the enemies of Jesus Christ. Some scribes actually had the Old Testament memorized. So if you ask them, well, do you know the Old Oh, yeah. You begin a, um, a verse, I'll tell you what the rest of it is. Well, C.F.W. Walther's point is this. They may know a lot about the ingredients of the Bible, 
but they did not know how to understand it properly. So it's one thing to know the ingredients. I recently gave a sermon on how to make Chick-fil-A barbecue sauce, and there were about 15 ingredients. You can have those ingredients memorized, and yet you will have no way of knowing how to make that barbecue sauce. Which ones go with which ones at which time, at which temperature, etc., etc. He even quotes Aristotle. Aristotle, a very knowledgeable man, said this, Alas, how great is our ignorance. So, Walter's point is simply this, and this is really true in regard to understanding law and gospel. The more truly learned a person is, the humbler he will become, for he knows how much more is still lacking within what narrow boundaries his knowledge is confined and how much still he remains to be explored. This is why Martin Luther had this word of advice for every student. Study, keep on learning. You cannot read too much in scripture. For what you read, you cannot fully comprehend. And what you comprehend, you cannot teach too well. And what you teach well cannot be put into practice too well. Believe the guy who is in the know and realizes he's still got a lot to learn. That's a really good introduction to thesis three. And this is really true about law and gospel. You may be able to know the ingredients of law and gospel. Like if I say, is this law or gospel, thou shalt not kill. Well, everybody's going to say it's law. But if I say, Jesus died on the cross for your sins, well, that's gospel. The one is a demand from God. The other is a gift from God. So it's not too hard to understand which verses are law and which are gospel. But to be able to use them properly, to apply them properly, is really important. So there's a distinction Walther is making between head knowledge and practical knowledge. Like, for example, students very early when they're learning arithmetic may have the head knowledge of the various items. Like we always memorized up to 12, 12 times 12, 144, and everything below that. But if you ask me what was 18 times 32, oh boy, that would be something I'd have to wait a while to figure out. So I may have had the head knowledge of multiplication tables, but I had no practical knowledge. How do you use multiplication tables in order to build a skyscraper? So... Though we're saying 
that law and gospel is really difficult to understand in the long term. It's still something that every child can understand. It's contained in every catechism. We, we need to make a distinction between the milk of the word and the solid food. I, I would say that a confirmand, and we're talking maybe 12 years old, who gets confirmed, has the milk of the word, but he still would not be able to apply law and gospel properly uh, to a situation where a person really needs comfort. So there are certain doctrines that we can get to understand, and there's not too much more we can learn about them, such as the Holy Trinity. The more you study the Holy Trinity, the more you realize how little you know about it, or predestination, or the communication of divine attributes, like how is the humanity of Jesus omniscient, all-knowing, omnipresent, everywhere, and almighty? Those are somewhat easy to understand, but there's still a lot of comprehensive that we don't know. And yet even children can grasp the distinction between law and gospel. So we're not talking about how one uses these distinctions to tell, well, this Bible verse is law or that is gospel. What we're really talking about is how to apply them. And C.F.W. Walther is quoting Luther when he says, only in the Holy Spirit, in the school of experience, can people teach this doctrine properly. He goes on to say that the proper distinction between law and gospel, and we're talking about its application, is the greatest skill that any person can learn. And he gives two examples from the Old Testament, David and Peter. Remember, David had sinned with Bathsheba, and when Nathan the prophet accused him of that, and he said, I have sinned before the Lord, and Nathan forgave him, wow, David still fell into sin himself because he lacked the practical knowledge to apply that knowledge to himself. He would, in Psalm 51, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. But he already had those. But he was unfortunately not that aware of them. So that's kind of an answer to a question why God permits misfortunes to afflict us. He afflicted David to keep him from falling into yet another sin not because he had not forgiven his sin. David was just really having difficulty thinking that he was saved. And many of his psalms are psalms of concern. Similarly with Peter. Peter sees Jesus tell him 
to, well, go fishing on the other side of the boat, and they bring in many, many fish. What's Peter's response? Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. That's amazing. Where does Peter's fear come from? He comes, it comes from because he's not able to distinguish law and gospel. If he had been able to, he could have approached Jesus cheerfully, knowing that he had forgiven all his sins. In fact, in 1 John 3, 19 to 20 is a very interesting verse. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. See, this is the state of a Christian. A lot of times the devil will remind you of a long forgotten sin. And when that occurs, like in David or in Peter, boy, there's terrible fright. Am I going to be saved? And a person is not sure. And therefore, the devil uses the witness of their conscience against them. That's why in 1 Peter, baptism is not a removal of the filth of the sin, but a good conscience, which means we now can be confident that God will not hold us in regard to our sins. No, Jesus took that upon himself. So CFW Walther is talking to seminary students. When the law condemns you, you must immediately grab hold of the gospel. He went to his confessor, Bugenhagen. That was the name of his pastor often kneeling before him to receive absolution, whereupon he would depart rejoicing. Now, Bugenhagen was an interesting name. When we had our three children, the first one uh, wanted a name was Luther, after Martin Luther. The second was Philip, after Philip Melanchthon. And then the third, before we knew what gender the child would be, I was thinking, well, Bugenhagen would be a good name. Well, fortunately, we had a daughter, and we named her after Luther's wife, Catherine, Catherine von Bora. But Bugenhagen was a wonderful pastor for Luther, and what he taught Luther is, yes, the law requires perfect righteousness, but the gospel provides free righteousness demanded by the law. And how do we receive that? C.F.W. Walther says, this great faith is obtained by faith. This great faith, this great gift is. So, People can readily make distinctions about words and even preach about them. Oh, this is law. This is gospel. But the key to understanding law and gospel more so is to put it to use and reduce it to practice. And that's a great skill not easily obtained. 
it's a common achievement for people to say, well, this is the law statement, and that is the gospel statement. To apply the distinction in our practical experience, that is labor and sorrow. So, in a sense, law and gospel are two hostile forces clashing with each other on a person's conscience. But the gospel says, you have been received into God's grace. The law says, do not believe it. Look at your past life. If you place any person who is well-versed in this skill of distinguishing law and gospel at the top and call him a doctor of Holy Scripture, you need to understand without the Holy Spirit, it is impossible to master this distinction. Luther quoted here, it is not difficult to say what the contents of law and gospel are or at what persons they are aiming but it is difficult to say whether a particular statement is part of the law or part of the gospel, or in real life, who needs to hear the law and who needs to hear the gospel. That's what makes a proper theologian. Now, Luther probably understood law and gospel better than anybody else in his time, and yet he wrote this. There is not a man on earth who knows how to properly distinguish law and gospel. In fact, he says, you know, there have been times that I too imagined I understood it because I've been writing so much about it for such a long time. But believe me, at the end of the day, I realize that I have wildly missed the mark. Accordingly, only God, the Holy Spirit, can be regarded as the master instructor in this art. So, part of the problem is you've got a number of Bible passages that seem to contradict the gospel. Matthew 19, 17, if you would enter life, keep the commandments of God. Or Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. If a pastor is unable to distinguish between law and gospel, those passages can become very difficult. Nobody should be so overconfident as to imagine that he has sharpened this skill of law and gospel to perfection. The essence of a Christian, even one who isn't that good at using law and gospel, is that he knows his salvation is in Christ. And therefore, what makes him a Christian is trusting the gospel, thereby no longer being worried about the law. That's a really difficult thing to overcome because the devil keeps reminding us again and again of our fallen nature. And, and why is the law so popular in every other religion outside of Christianity? Because by nature, the human mind understands the law. I mean, you can go to any other religion in the world, and they'll also have rules uh, against murder, against theft, 
and so forth. So knowing the law is not difficult. And, and therefore, one can have great fear at times because the law is something that we don't forget. Yet, when we're dealing with the discharges of the ordinary functions of my office, Walther says, what's he talking about? Well, that's when we're in the political world, in the secular world, in the temporal world. There, the law is very important. It tells us how to act as a minister of the word, a magistrate, a husband, a teacher. This is not the time to hear the gospel, but the law, because you are to perform the duties of your vocation or your profession. And what tells you the duties of your profession? Well, when I worked at various companies, I worked at Chrysler for a while. When I joined and I was on the assembly line, there were specific rules how to attach trucks together. I had to put so much pressure on the bolts and it had to get to that pressure with the gun I was using, etc. There was no gospel there in the sense that if the individual who was checking what I was doing found a mistake, he never said, oh, Tom, you're forgiven. He said, no, redo it and do a better job. So the law is really important. So whenever your relationship to God is not under review, that means acting as a, a father or as a businessman or as a mother, you must act in accordance with the law, yet not like a slave, but like a child. What does that mean? Well, there's three uses of the law. The first one is what the government uses, and that's to bridle and keep down crimes. And so there are punishments that God provides the government to do, a fine, jail time, etc., in order to keep peace. That's the first use of the law. The second use is the one where you really need to divide law and gospel because the law accuses us of our sin and thereby we find ourselves in a situation where we really wonder, am I saved? Look at all the sins I've done. And we become like David or Peter. We, we realize Jesus is God. We realize he died on the cross for us. And yet we're still often worried as to whether or not heaven will be our home because of our sins. But that's where the gospel comes in. Now, what we're talking about where the gospel isn't really necessary is in the third use of the law. What's the third use of the law? It isn't motivation to obey the law. It's instruction in what God's will is for my life. I rarely preach third use of the law in a sermon because I can't think of too much of a third use of the law that Christians who've been confirmed already aren't 
evident of. About the only place third use of the law has come about in my life is in the area of medicine, where somebody had a severe car accident and they've got equipment keeping their lungs going, but their brain is dead. And so the question is, can we unplug them, pastor? Now, they don't know whether they can or not. And so we make distinctions uh, between the kinds of euthanasia. We're not allowed to do active euthanasia where we actually give them a drug to kill them, but we can do passive euthanasia where with a brain dead person, you can unhook the various machines and let God make the decision when they fall asleep, hopefully in Jesus. So that's a really interesting beginning to the third use of uh, the third principle that CFW Walther has in regard to law and gospel. And next week in the seventh evening lecture, we will continue that study of thesis three because we're gonna learn even more that it is taught by the Holy Spirit in combination with your experience. On Thursday's Law and Gospel with Wes Reimnitz, we'll have a topic that we hope will be of interest to you. And once more, you'll find it's really using law and gospel. Till then, God bless. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.